and what type of person ought I become? And I think these have been pretty formative questions, and, and we're, we're wrapping up this series by looking at anger versus justice. And if you've been with us the last few weeks, you know that we've looked at contrasting things, one that's a virtue, one that's a vice, and how like, we can become these things. Our identity can be found in them. They can be descriptors of us. And so we've been intentional about wanting to be people who have the virtues, right? And yet it comes to this idea of anger versus justice, and I have a tendency to think they belong together. I often think that justice is propelled by anger. When I see injustice, it makes me angry. It makes me want justice, which makes me more angry, which makes me want more justice. And I kind of thought that they like helped each other build a little bit. And, and yet we're going to look this morning at how really anger is a vice and justice is a virtue. And, and we're going to try to make some sense of this. Now, to be fair... I'm, I'm pretty new to actual practical justice. I spent most of my Christian walk liking theoretical justice, liking the idea of justice, but not really seeing the need, uh, not really understanding all of what justice was, was needed, all what oppressors and the oppressed and, and people who were not being seen in the image of God. I, didn't, I just didn't recognize everything. But the last couple of years, God's... God's opened my eyes to some things. And I've begun this journey of, of learning justice. And sadly, I've become more angry. As I've seen injustice, I've become more angry. And, and I've, like Jesus says, his burden is light, his yoke is easy. But I felt like, man, this justice thing, this had some weight to it. And I, I've been just a bit cranky. And most often, I'm cranky at other Christians who are where I was. It wasn't that long ago, that's where I was, but that's usually who I'm cranky at. And I think of passages like this in Isaiah 1, and, and this makes me feel like my anger, well, it belongs. In, in verse 13, it starts, Bring no more vain offerings. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath and the calling of convocations, I cannot endure iniquity in solemn assembly. Your new moons and your appointed feasts, my soul hates. They become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. All the ways that we worship and all the patterns that we have are making God weary at this point. He says, when you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, remove the evil of your deeds before my eyes. Cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's cause. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. I've always heard that like crimson and white, like you, you get washed clean. But this rest of this, like the God doesn't hear it when we're not about justice. Well, I, I, I'm kind of new to that, but I get this like this feeling. There's this clip that you know that I, I feel like anytime I read a passage, I feel just like this guy in, in this clip. Dr. Ben, now might be a really 
be time for you to get angry. That's my secret, Cat. I'm always angry. Can anybody resonate with that? We start, God starts to open our eyes to justice, and all of a sudden we just live like the Hulk angry. That was awesome. I totally agree with you. No, there's this thing, like my daughter Anna here, she, she loves the Hulk. Last, last winter I told her to, to put her gloves on to go to school, and she put those Hulk hands on. And she's like, yeah, ready. Like, let's do this thing. And it's cute when the kids like Hulk, right? And when they like play Hulk in the house. It's not so cute when I do. It's not so cute when I go through my week like the Hulk. That always angry. And that quick, as soon as I see something that I deem wrong, um, I'm a little frustrated and quickly become like the Hulk. See, the questions that rise up in me or is what I see as doing justice, is that the same thing as what God sees? What does God mean by justice? Who decides where mercy, justice, good and bad? What, what is all of this? How does it all work out? And, and it makes me realize that when I'm in anger, I am making decisions about who is good and who is bad. Who the good guys are, who are the bad guys are. And sometimes that's easy, right guys? So I need your help with this. Kids, you lead the way. I'm going to show you some photos, and you say hero or villain. If you're a kid at heart, you can play as well. Okay? Here's your first photo. Hero or villain? Hero. Yep, nice and loud. This is a hero. How about this one? Hero. Yes. How about this one? Hero. All right, you guys are doing great. How about this one? Hero. Yes. How about this one? All right, how about this one? Villain is she hero? Who is she villain? Right? Depends on which movie you're watching, huh? How about this one? Superhero. Superhero. Self-proclaimed superhero. His family had a different answer at the first service. We go oh, the 90s. That was actually taken last week. <laughs> the 90s have not list, left this man. Listen to all these hip-hop references. They have not left. They are living through him. That little game is what we have to play if we are the judges of justice. If we are living in anger, we live through that game. Someone crosses our path, we quickly decide if they're hero or villain. Somebody cuts us off in traffic, that's a villain. Somebody gives us a good parking space. That's a hero. Somebody takes too long ordering their coffee. That's a villain. Right? We just go through and we pick hero, villain, and we've got to make snap decisions. And any, anybody that we deem to be a villain, well, we're against them. Here, here's our definitions. Anger. Well, pointing out the bad that was done. Anger is the destruction of the other. When we live in anger, we give ourselves the authority to point out what is wrong and say that outweighs anything else, and that person should be destroyed. Yeah. That wrong should be undone, and, and destruction should come. We think, like, oh, Matt, that's pretty radical to say destruction. No, that's actually pretty biblical. Yeah. 
that's actually following Jesus' words, when they're talking about murder, he's like, hey, even if you think bad of somebody, it's the same as murdering them. If there's hatred in your heart, that is for the destruction of somebody else. That's saying, I am against you and your next breath. It's that serious. Anger is that serious. When I am angry, whoever is the recipient of that anger, that's what that is. Now, Scripture's clear. We feel anger sometimes, but the, the like, destruction of anger is that way. The ramification of it is you are for the destruction of that person, of that, of that being. Now, justice is very different. Justice looks like this. Joining God and making things right. Justice is the restoration of us. It's shalom coming to where God brings shalom and peace. It's big. It's broad. It's patient. It's calm. Justice doesn't feel like it's necessarily those things. But biblical justice, that's what it looks like. I, I look through the Old Testament, New Testament, looking for references that would like make it okay for me to live with like righteous anger. I can't really find them. I find where God lives with righteous anger, but He sets up what's right anyway. He is the, the judge of what is just and what is unjust, and He lives in that. And, and the, me living in anger, it really just talks about the destruction of me living in anger and, and me living in less anger. That's what Scripture talks about. You feel it, be slow to get there, be quick to get rid of that anger. So here, here we're going to look at it this way. There's, there's two things that we probably already know, and we're going to look at how they fit together. So who knows John 3.16, the verse that was read to us just a, a little bit ago. Okay, let's look at it again together. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. It's pretty familiar, right? Okay, how about this one? Who knows what a Pharisee is? You guys know? <laughs> We've got hands excited about Pharisees. Real excited people on, on Bible fact day. So Pharisees are like re religious leaders of the day, right? Jesus had some words about Pharisees. In, in Luke 11, he said that the Pharisees were self-righteous. In Luke 7, he said that they are debtors too bankrupt to ever pay back God. In Luke 15, he said that they're completely unconcerned for others. And then in Matthew 23, he, he really goes off here, guys. We're, so much so that we're going we're gonna to look at it ourselves here. He says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These ought to have been done without neglecting the others. You blind guides straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. I read that and I'm like, yeah, get them, Jesus. Get them. They're, they're blind guides. They're hypocrites. All of this. He goes on a couple, a couple of verses later. And he says, you serpents, you brood of vipers, how are you to escape being sentenced to hell? These are some harsh words. Right? Like, I do not want to be on the receiving end of those words from Jesus. I don't want to be on the receiving end of them from, like, a little kid, let alone Jesus, the one who, like, could say it. And those are the words he says. Those are the words he says to the Pharisees. And yet, 
John 3.16, this, this verse that we know so well. This verse that we even see at football games. This verse, a lot of us, like maybe the first verse that we ever learned, it was spoken by Jesus in a conversation with a Pharisee. I don't know if we really recognize that. He's talking to Nicodemus, this, this Pharisee, a ruler of the Jews, and, and he says, every person, each person who believes in me, each person, whoever they are, even the Pharisees, even Nicodemus, even me, whoever we are, we believe in him. We have eternal life. And then he goes on in verse 17, and he says this, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world. He could. He had all authority to condemn the world. But that's not what He sent Him in to do. Instead, He sent them into the world in order that the world might be saved through Jesus. Let me paraphrase this for you. God did not send His Son into physical creation to walk this earth that we walk. He didn't send Him here to declare over all the populations that they are guilty. They are guilty. But that's not what he did. He didn't look at all of the people of the earth and say, hey, you're guilty and I want you to know it and I'm mad at you because you let me down and I have never changed and I said you could return to me, but you didn't. And now I'm just showing up to be mad and angry and and." call out this injustice. That's not what He did. Instead, He came to this physical creation to state that the world's population can be saved through Him. The entire population. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Anyone who calls to Jesus, whether we understand their language, whether we were there present or we were not present, whether it was a minute before they died or a minute after they were born, somehow, miraculously, when people call on the name of the Lord, they are saved because He said, that's the way I'm doing it. And that's what justice looks like. I grew up thinking that we were saved when we called on the name of the Lord and then we behaved really well and you tithed. Tithing to my church was really important. It, it should be really important here too, but it was really, really, really important. That was it. If you tithed and you were semi-moral and you showed up for like a 48-minute service, you were good. But if your life was messy at all or was chaotic, no, that's where we get angry. But my God, your God, He gives this invitation that's wide. And honestly, this invitation even includes the targets of our justice. In Jesus' day, there were so many people who were angry at the Pharisees, and they would look at Jesus and hear His words when He says, like, you brood of vipers, calling them on their thing. And the people would be like, yes, we're finally, we can be angry. We can have this righteous anger. And then He turns around and invites that very Pharisee to come to Him. You read on, and Nicodemus becomes an ally of Jesus. He shows up two more times in the Gospels as someone who's in Jesus' corner. You see, anger doesn't make room for people. But justice heals as people return. Anger is not the first step to justice. We often think it is. 
I see something that goes wrong. I get angry. That's the beginning of justice. You know what anger is? Angry is the first step to living angry. That's what it is. Not to justice, but to just living angry and being consumed by that anger. We see this in, in like social media and the way that we talk to one another. Justice is not just this sense of outrage that really we never act on. We just act outraged all the time. Like, it's in everything now. I was even, uh, I, I was, the, the sports, ESPN was on. And even the way that we talk about the game the night before, there's like deep outrage over the game. Over absolutely everything. There, we are so upset about absolutely everything. Everybody who has a different opinion of us is so wrong and bad, and we don't realize that living in that anger, we are rooting for the destruction of other people. And then when that starts to happen and lives start to crumble, we point at that again to be another reason to be angry. No, we've got to get out of this cycle, guys. We've got to get out of it. We're not called to live outraged. We're called to love. The truth is, it is possible to yell loud enough at someone who is oppressing someone else that you are the very reason that the voice of the oppressed is silenced. I can yell so loud at an oppressor that the oppressed is into silence because I won't stop. But that's not justice. And that's not God's kingdom. Justice is joining God and making things right. It's the restoration of us. So we have these monthly conversations. They're usually on Saturday nights. We had one last night. They're, we call them 2020s. It's a way to like fix our perspective and change our perspective. Nicole leads us through these. They've been powerful things that we've done for about a year and a half. And we want to invite you into these. Our next one is November 18th. And our 2020s, what they are is ways to like be shaped by Scripture on the things of justice. So in November, we're going to look at what does the New Testament say about justice? And how does that translate to our lives? We're going to do that November, December, into the new year. We're going to look at topics that we care about within this church, the issues of justice that we deeply care about, and we're going to look from a biblical perspective. And this is something that we need your help with. There's a little suggestion box over there and some index cards. Write down what it is that you deeply care about. The issues or challenges that the oppressed who are not being spoken for and heard. The systemic things that we need to be talking about. Write those down. We want to take that real serious. We'll keep that box there uh, for the next couple months. But like, let's fill it. And, and these are the things that we're going to talk about. We're going to be continuing to explore justice, so I'm not, I'm not even pretending to understand all of justice this morning. What we are trying to understand is where anger belongs in all of this. And what do we do when we feel angry? And what do we do if we always justify our anger because we're sure that it's the first steps of justice? James 1 has, has this to say. It says this, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. 
Let me read that again. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Most places in the New Testament where the word righteousness is, you can also put justice. You can put God's justice through the same word. Whatever reason, people like righteousness more. I think it feels more detached. It feels a little more separate from life. But he says, be really quick to listen. And church, we, we need to learn this one. Let's be quick not to answer one another, but to listen to one another, to hear one another's stories. Be slow to speak and slow to anger because that anger that you and I feel does not produce the justice that we desire. It doesn't. It, 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 it might produce this vengeance that we pretend is our own. It, it might cause more of a mess, but it does not produce the justice that we de desire. Now, this anger has to be acknowledged, but submitted and handed over to God so that justice can really be sought. So I was talking to this young man a couple months ago, and, and he desperately wants justice at his school. There's a couple kids who are getting picked on. There's some bullying. There's some other stuff happening. Very much like it's justice in his heart. It's a very young form of justice that's forming. God built him to be an advocate for people. And I could see it, but he was almost like, he didn't go to the extreme, but almost like Moses at the beginning. When he sees something, he goes and like, just kills the Egyptian, right? Because it's wrong, and we've got to do something about that. And that's what early forms of justice are in us. We just want to like beat somebody. We just want to make it right. And the only thing we know to do is be angry. And I talked to this young man of the, this desire in your heart for justice is God-given. It is God-given. And the ability to see and hear someone who's being systemically or personally oppressed, that, that is God-given to see and hear that, but what do, we, what do we do with that? It's immature to simply get angry and become addicted to his anger. There's something in saying, Lord, you bring about your justice and use me. Let me be a piece of this. Let me be a part of this. We see that this justice that God is bringing, he was bringing long before today at the very Beginning of Jesus' ministry, he begins with this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And this is still happening today. And this is where we as a church gather up and say, okay, we are about this. We are about Yes, systemic things falling and, and people being seen in the image of God, but we are about the we being restored. We're about people understanding that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord belongs. And we're about defending and loving on those people. This morning, as, as we close up the, the message time and go into communion, I want to I want to encourage you to take maybe an extra like 30 seconds on your way to the table. And take that extra 30 seconds to let God's Spirit search your heart a bit. Where is it that He's invited us to seek His justice 
but we've settled for anger. It's like being really hungry and having a steak dinner that you can eat in like two hours, but instead you eat Cheetos and fill yourself. Where is it that we're just filling up on, on cheap anger? And before you receive the, the body and, and the blood, the bread and the juice, I, I want to encourage you to, to lay anger down. And allow God to start to heal that in you and, and, and start to work with that. It's, it's not some magic potion or anything like that. But God can turn that, that anger that you feel in, into something beautiful where, where hope is restored. And where justice is done and, and wrongs are righted. But image bearers become brothers and sisters. Daughters and sons of the God Most High. So let's pray for that, okay? Can we do that? Let's pray together. Father, thanks for who you are. Thanks that you're good and that you're faithful, that you're loving. And we pray that, that you would meet us in this space. Reality is a lot of us walk in with a lot of anger. And it even makes sense. But it's not possible for us to live with this anger and still with a burden that is light. And, and you promise this, this light burden. And so would you do something with this anger inside? Will you help us to lay that before you? Will you help us to recognize you as the God of justice? Will you help us return to you? Thanks. In your name. Amen.